Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga and the creator of the Momentum Magic Method, the way to become a confident yoga teacher who seamlessly shares cues and easily creates sequences, whose classes are transformational, not just transactions, who understands anatomy and who shares their passion in a unique and authentic way. Here on the podcast, you'll hear anatomy lessons, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal growth because having a strong, healthy mindset is such an important piece of being a confident teacher. In addition to the podcast, follow me on Instagram and TikTok for daily videos on teaching topics. And I've got two more ways you can build your confidence and skill. Join me weekly for my mini masterclass and teaching clinic, a 30-minute teacher-only themed yoga class, followed by a teaching lesson. Just DM me the words masterclass invite. And I'm also excited to tell you about my new invitation-only group called The Empowerment Club, an exclusive community for yoga teachers who want to feel confident and make a bigger impact. Membership is free and includes weekly workshops, private audio lessons, private Facebook group, and special offers on programs. DM me the words Empowerment Club for your application. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. Hi there. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 281. I'm recording this on February 8th, 2024, and this will go live, as episodes always do, on Monday, February 12th. And I'm excited to be here. I feel like that's sort of an overused phrase. Doesn't everybody say they're excited to be wherever they are whenever they're on audio or video? Ah, I just hate saying the things that everybody says. Um, I I just am. I, I love doing this podcast. I love the ease of just opening my computer and just recording this for you and putting it out there. And uh, it's just been one of the joys of my life to, to add this medium to my free content that I do. So I am excited to be here. So I can totally say it's an authentic feeling. I have a lot of just interesting things to share with you today. And, you know, let's just kind of kick it off with just a couple of just quick announcements. I want to let you know that if you missed any of the anatomy workshops I've done over the past week and a half, I think at this point I've done five, which is pretty amazing for, you know, a seven or 10 day period of time. I've done five different anatomy workshops. I can send you uh, some of the replays. They're, they're not all available on replay. And I don't want to, you know, it's, it's not the sort of thing that I want to do getting into like sending tons of replays out. But if you do catch me within a couple of weeks of this episode, I most likely will still have the replays and I can send them to you. What I would really encourage you to do if you're interested in this kind of content is get on my mailing list and come to one of these workshops when they happen live. And I, I totally get it. I don't want you to make a case for lim your limitations. I want you to think about what's possible if you can get there live. I know everybody's got stuff going on and I know that time zones are always a challenge, but as much as you can work around those things and get yourself there, like I can't even tell you the number of times that I have like 50 people signed up and 10 people show up. And I really don't believe 
that 40 people had emergencies or time zone issues. I, I just, I just don't believe that. I think what happens is people just sign up for something and then they say, oh, I got something else going on. And I really want you there if you really want to be there. And I know in my heart that if you are a motivated yoga teacher who really wants to be better, you'll sign up and you'll show up, notwithstanding emergencies, kid issues, car breaking down. Like we're not talking about that. So that's just my case for showing up to stuff live. And yes, I live in the real world. I know stuff comes up, but I just want to really encourage you, you know, if you're really truly motivated and you sign up, then you'll be there. And if you're sort of like, oh, this looks okay. And, and you don't show up, then that's a match to kind of the energy that you have. So really be intentional about if you're going to sign up, make a commitment to show up. And that, you know, I don't want to make this a broader issue because yes, there are other things that come up, but just keep in mind, like in this world we live in now where so much is available online, we can sort of get into a mindset that passive learning is okay. And you're just never going to get as good of an experience with as much of an impact when you watch a recording of something as if you're there live. Um, the other thing I would highly encourage you to do if you come to one of my workshops is ask questions. I am amazed at the number of times I get to the end of an hour long workshop on anatomy and there isn't one question. And I am just like, how is this possible? You know, to, to be better involves active learning and to be an active learner means when you're hearing information, you're assimilating it in your mind, you're thinking about how am I supposed to apply this? You're act, I mean, every single workshop I go to, I am the person that's always got at least two or three questions because I want to know that I'm going to walk away from this thing with a really good impact on my brain, on what I can do as a yoga teacher and the impact I can make. If I'm going to give you an hour of my time, you can be damn sure I'm going to ask some questions. And I would encourage you to come to my workshops with that level of expectation. You're giving me an hour of your time and you want to be damn sure you get something out of it. And you're going to take responsibility for getting something out of it. And that looks like someone who shows up on time, someone who shows up when they sign up, someone who asks questions. Like that's what it looks like. That's an active learner. And so I just really encourage you to take the bull by the horns and be an active learner, not just in my workshops, but in anything you go to, you know, and really demand high quality because that's how you're going to get further along way faster than by watching replays and, you know, just kind of absorbing information and not asking questions to make sure you're getting it. Now, I definitely don't want you to get the vibe that I'm scolding you because I'm not. I'm just so passionate about helping you be the best teacher possible. And I know that all these things that I'm saying are connected to that identity. So it's all coming from that place. <clears throat> so if you want to come to future workshops that I have, you've got to be on my mailing list. That's the best way to find out about it. <clears throat> if you're not currently receiving my daily emails, um, go to my website, barebonesyoga.com and download the sequence building template I have on there. And that'll get you on the mailing list. 
You can also do the same thing by just going to my Instagram and in the profile, there's a link for the sequence building template. So both of those avenues will get you on my mailing list. Uh, I am going to continue to focus on anatomy in my weekly workshops. This is a little bit of a newer shift for me, which is kind of weird because I do specialize in anatomy, but I don't typically, quite honestly, love to specialize in workshops on anatomy because I think it's going too deep when people don't have an overall perspective of the basics of anatomy. But over the past couple of weeks, there have been just so many comments and, and people have downloaded a lot of my anatomy-based things, freebies. So I just decided, you know what? I'm going full bore. I'm giving the people what they want. So if you're looking for anatomy education, you're going to want to be at my workshops that are coming up. So just make sure you're on the mailing list and that'll get you the invites. I want to also tell you about every week, I'm going to share with you a light bulb moment that one of the teachers in my program has, because I want you to experience some of the transformations that these teachers are having as a way to illustrate the um, the impact of not just working with me, because it's not about me, it's about them. And it's about just a little bit of a spark that I light in them, and then the rest is all them. And I wanna share these things with you because number one, I don't think you're hearing stuff like this in other places. Number two, I think it's really inspiring. And number three, I hope it inspires you, not, not in a way of, I hope it inspires you to sign up for my program. Although if you are a yoga teacher who is inspired to work with me, I hope you do it. Like definitely would love to work with you. Um, but more because I want you to see what happens when teachers take steps to enroll in a program, which basically messages to them that they believe in themselves. They believe in themselves. They're going to put down some money. They're going to invest in a program that, again, gives them a high expectation that they're going that they're going to transform, that they're going to get results. And that's very different than saying, I'm going to enroll in a 300-hour program, and I'm just going to be basically flooded with information for 300 hours or for 500 hours. That's a different thing. It's different when you enroll in a specialty program like mine, where you're basically saying to me, these are the results I want. These are the goals I have. And I'm saying, okay, great. I can help you get there. That's totally different. What I offer is a curated program. You know, that fancy word that they use in fashion bespoke. It is a bespoke program. So when teachers, you know, invest in my program, there's an expectation on me that they're going to get where they want to go by working with me. And so when I share these light bulb moments with you, I want you to get a sense of this is some of what is happening out there with, with these, with these teachers that I work with. So one of the teachers, her name is Jackie. I don't know if she's going to hear that, hear this episode. So shout out to you, Jackie, if you're listening to this. Um, she came to our coaching call this week and said, you know what, Karen, I've been going through the anatomy lessons in the video portal of your program. And now I'm starting to think about how can I apply anatomy to sequence building specifically around creating a sequence with a peak pose. And so what that allowed me to do is to share with her my sequence building methodology specifically around a sample sequence with a peak pose, we picked wheel as the posture. 
And then what we did was I walked her through how to identify the muscles that are being used agonistically, meaning the power muscles, the strength muscles, versus the muscles that are in use from an eccentric contraction perspective, more of the muscles that need to be flexible. So a really simple example is if you're going to have your students do wheel, you want them to have strong glute max or at least a glute max that is positively triggered, right? You've been doing things in the ramp up to wheel that is uh, firing the glute max. And you also want to do things that are going to give the psoas opportunities to lengthen because that's a lengthening muscle in wheel. So that's just one piece of it. But we were able to work through an entire framework, which I actually repeated a couple of times this week on Instagram live, where I mapped out the sequence building strategy using anatomy rationale to identify the agonistic muscles and the antagonistic muscles. And that informs what you're going to put into your sequence from a posture perspective in terms of the architecture of the sequence. And so once we went through this, her eyes lit up and she was just like, this is amazing. Like I can totally do this. And so I want you to appreciate that you know, her aha moment came from an appreciation of how to apply anatomy. And this is a realization that many times yoga teachers don't have when they're out on their own trying to learn anatomy and what I call the choose your own adventure approach. Um, when you are out there after your 200 hour training and you realize you don't understand anatomy and you go off and you buy books and you buy a course and you try to just figure it out on your own, it is a choose your own adventure approach. And oftentimes what happens there is you don't actually know how to apply it to teaching. And Jackie's question to me came from, she's watching in my anatomy blueprint, the step-by-step -step videos that are teaching her the anatomy, she's bringing her questions about what she's watching to live coaching calls, because believe me, my program is not just go watch a bunch of videos. You're having support from me for 90 days. We're getting on these coaching calls. You're asking questions. So there's this whole other live component, live education, teaching component that's coming, uh, that's supporting you. And so her question was really showing this higher level of realization coming from a place of, okay, now I'm learning the anatomy. And now the next level is how can I apply it? And this is the piece that is so often missing for teachers. They oftentimes want to know the application piece. Like, tell me about the muscles in wheel. Tell me about the muscles in warrior one. What muscles are in action there? But if you don't understand joint actions, anatomical position, um, how muscles work, key muscles in the body. Honestly, you don't even earn the right to have that conversation about muscles and poses. You have to go back and earn the right to ask that question and to have that conversation once you learn the key things that I just mentioned. And that's why the blueprint that I created is what it is. It's a sequential blueprint. So Jackie's realization was, okay, now that I have learned the essentials of anatomy, how can I apply it to building a sequence with a peak pose? And I want you to hear how specific that question is. How do I apply anatomy to building a sequence with a peak pose? And the beauty of that is that it's such a great question that I think so many yoga teachers have 
And her realization, once we went through the coaching call that, okay, great. Now I've learned some fundamental concepts about anatomy. I have this question about applying it. You've shown me how I can do it. And so now I'm off, off and running. Right. And so the feeling that that gives her, that that could give you is that feeling of empowerment, that feeling of I'm an expert, that feeling of, I know what I'm doing. And so that's why for so many teachers, it's not just the mechanics and the knowledge building. It's also the feeling. And those two things come together to create an empowered teacher. So that's the light bulb moment for today's episode. For the lesson of today, I wanted to share a little bit of how, I don't know if you've ever heard in some podcasts, I listen to a lot of business podcasts and sometimes the podcast host, who's like a multimillionaire, like created a bunch of startups, sold their startup for millions of dollars, started a new startup. And they'll do an episode on, if I could start again as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, how would I do it? And this conversation is not going to be exactly that. It's going to be somewhat related, though, to a question I had from a teacher this week, or rather a statement she she said. And it was something she said that really got me right in my heart um, in terms of I really felt for her when she said this. And I'm going to tell you what she said in a second, because there was something so essential in what she was saying that really encapsulated her experience. And because I talk to so many yoga teachers every week, when she said it, even though I hadn't literally heard the phrase before, it captured for me the essence of what so many yoga teachers expressed to me, but not literally in these words. What she said to me when I was having a conversation with her on the phone so I couldn't see her on Zoom, but it wasn't through email or texting or DM. It was on the phone so I could hear her voice. When we were having a conversation about what she most wants as a yoga teacher, literally what she said to me was, Karen, I just want to know what I'm doing. I just want to know what I'm doing. And I thought, oh my God, yes, I hear you. I hear what you're saying and I, and I, it's not so much, and I know what you mean. It's just more, I hear what you're saying. I hear in your voice, what you just said, I hear what you just said. And I hear in your voice as you're saying it, I hear, I almost can feel in my own heart, the feeling of what it must feel like for you to not know what you're doing. And so I really want you to connect with that phrase and ask yourself if that resonates with you at all. Because, you know, my whole mission in what I do is to get more yoga teachers out there feeling educated and empowered. And if you're out there and that statement, I just want to feel like I know what I'm doing, you know, and it's almost like when she said it, it was almost like, geez, can't I just be out there and know what the hell I'm doing? Like, you know, and of course she did a 200 hour teacher training, right? So this is not someone who hasn't taken that, that step. So what I wanted to do today is I wanted to break down 
an answer to that question. So you could sort of think of this as if you were to go back and start over again to prevent yourself from ever getting to that point of feeling like, I don't really know what I'm doing. You could sort of use this as a framework, but more importantly, and I think where this is more uh, potentially applicable, maybe to you, maybe not, is if you're at the point now as a teacher where that statement resonates with you, where you where you also feel like, geez, wouldn't it be nice for me to just go in and teach classes and know what the hell I'm doing? Like, come on now. Is it too hard to ask for that, for that feeling? Um, this will help you. Because if I really take that feeling, which is, or that statement, you know, I just want to feel like I know what I'm doing. If I translate that a little bit into something maybe a little bit more specific, what I read that as to be is I want to feel like an expert. I want to feel like an expert. I want to feel like I know what I'm doing. And don't get me wrong. Expert doesn't mean I know everything. You know, and this is part of the other problem with a lot of the teachers that I speak with. They get sort of freaked out by expert words because they feel like that means they have to be able to point to every single part of the body and name the muscle, or they feel like they need an answer to every question. Feeling like an expert doesn't mean you know everything. What it means is that you know the fundamentals and you know how to apply them to being a, to teaching and you feel confident in what you're doing. Feeling confident in what you're doing can feel like an expert, can have you feeling like an expert, but it doesn't necessarily mean you know everything. And so I want you to just keep that in mind because this is not about... 300 hours, 500 hours, a million hours, right? It's not about that. Feeling like an expert is not connected to the hours of training that you get. So I'm going to walk you through um, kind of a, a, a framework here that you can use if this whole idea of, I wish I knew what I was doing <laughs> resonates with you. Uh, I also just, I don't know if you could tell, I also just moved from where I was sitting to a different place in the house because there's going to be some noise downstairs. So if you heard a little change in the quality of the audio, that, that was why. Okay, so here's step one. And this is going to be a six-step process, all geared to this idea of, you know, if you are feeling this way, you just wish you felt like an expert more, or you just felt like you want to feel more like you know what you're doing. Here are the steps that I would suggest for you. Number one, learn the fundamentals of anatomy. That is like the number one thing, <laughs> right? You don't pass go, you don't collect 200 bucks if you can't explain what anatomical position is, identify joint movements, identify key joints in the body, identify key bones in the body, identify how muscles work, uh, identify key muscles in the body, identify muscles in poses, uh, share what fascia is and how it works and its applicability to yoga and apply all of that to cueing and sequencing. What I just said to you in 10 seconds is my 10 step blueprint for learning the fundamentals of anatomy. Those are the steps. And within each of those steps is a number of lessons, right? So 
what I just, I just walked you through what you should know. So if you're listening to me right now and you can't rattle off what anatomical position is, you can't rattle off joint movements, you can't rattle off key muscles of the body, you can't rattle off key joints of the body, how they work. Like you're in that zone of you need to, you need to learn the anatomy. That's where you are. There's no changing where you are by hoping it's going to change. All that's going to change it is you taking action. So that's step one. Step two, create one sequence. One sequence. Your signature sequence. So that would be the step two. Step three is to create three themes that you can overlay on that sequence to give it a little bit of a different flavor and flair without having to change the architecture of the sequence. Some general themes you can use are, you can play with some of the common levers to make a sequence feel a little bit different. Levers like pace, uh, working with silence, uh, holding people longer in poses. You can also work with themes that have to do with how you're cueing. So you could cue more to foundation or cue more, cue more to breath, cue more to gaze. So these are all different themes that don't ask you to change this, uh, the poses in the sequence, but it'll give you a little bit of flexibility so that you can make the same sequence feel a little bit different. The next thing I would suggest for you is to learn how to do the walk and talk. This is transformative. Getting yourself off the yoga mat walking around the room. You don't necessarily have to be assisting anybody, but simply decoupling in your brain and in your actions, the idea that being a yoga teacher means I practice with my students. If you have to practice with your class because you are required to do so by the studio, because you're also teaching online people at the same time as the in-studio people, in my opinion, that kind of sucks. Um, and that's an outlier. So I'm not going to really address that in general and not even in general as a, and I don't want to say as a rule, cause that sounds too harsh, but what I would say is as a goal, get your, I would say, get yourself doing the walk and talk. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about that. I've talked about it in lots of earlier episodes. It's just the premier way to teach excellent classes off the yoga mat walking around, seeing your students, changing cues as you see that they need them. It, it, that's, that's what I would do. Uh, and then the next thing I would do is learn how to action cue, learn how to share action cues. This is a great approach for someone who doesn't yet understand the fundamentals of anatomy because it gives you a fallback that is a really powerful way to teach, but doesn't require that you be sharing anatomy-based cues when you don't when you're not ready to do that. And then the last thing I would do, and this one is really fucking important, is I would crush your three biggest mindset blocks. I have heard just about every mindset block at this point, and I'm sure there's more out there, um, but I have like sort of a top 10 list of mindset blocks that teachers tell me things like, I need to practice with my class because they're visual learners, or I need to change my sequence all the time because they're going to get bored, or I need to have 500 hours after my name, or I'm not an expert. I mean, these statements are a reflection of a belief. 
and a belief that's not serving you as a yoga teacher because it's holding you back from showing up in a way that you really want to show up out of a belief that you need to be doing something. The three examples I just gave you are not statements of fact at all. However, they are statements of belief that are out there in the yoga industry and that yoga teachers are believing and having these beliefs are causing yoga teachers to do things that they don't want to do. And there's so much I could say about this, but for time purposes, I'm not going to go into it now. But I would say, if you want to feel like an expert, you've got to crush your mindset beliefs. And I would also say, because I had an email conversation going with a teacher this week, and she said to me, I know I've got mindset issues, and I know it's preventing me from teaching, and I just got to get over it. And I have to tell you, you can't get over mindset issues by yourself. You just can't. The only way to get over a mindset issue by yourself is to try to do it using willpower and it just never works. I mean, ask anybody who's ever been on a diet, they've probably gained back the weight because willpower is dieting. When you look at the beliefs around eating behaviors you have and you change your eating behaviors, it becomes your lifestyle. And so then there's no willpower involved. You're just living your fucking life, eating differently. I eat way differently now than I did 10 years ago. And I don't even think about it because I've crushed all the beliefs that I had around eating that held me into eating patterns that weren't healthy. I love managing my money now. And I used to hate managing my money. And all of the hate I had about managing my money was belief tied, tied to certain beliefs. And until I addressed those beliefs with a neuroscience coach, with a hypnosis coach, I couldn't move past those beliefs. And now that I've done that work and I've worked with those coaches, I've crushed those money limiting beliefs. And now I love managing my money. I have a great relationship with my money. Like it is a person. So I will tell you, you can't do it by yourself. And if you want to work with me, I can help you crush those beliefs. But if you're not going to work with me, go work with somebody. Otherwise, whatever the mindset blocks are that you have that are causing you to do certain things in the studio that you don't want to do or are blocking you from teaching yoga, but you really want to teach yoga and you think you're just going to sit there in your house and will yourself, okay, I just got to get over this mindset block. I just got to get over it. That's not how it works. There's this saying I've said many times that one of my coaches said to me, which is um, you can't solve a problem at the level of thinking that created it. You'll just go in circles. You are the problem. Your way of thinking is the problem. Even if you didn't create the belief, you heard it from somebody else, but something in you subscribed to that person, a certain level of expertise, right? There's that word expert. And so you said, well, they must know. So I'm going to subscribe to that belief. Just like when you're a little kid and your mom says, oh, we have to turn the lights off in the house because if we don't, we're going to waste money. And then you grow up and you're frantic about turning the lights off all the time out of a belief that you didn't even have a choice about subscribing to because you were a kid when your mom told you that. And of course you believed what your mom said. So this is what I mean. This is the empowering part. This is why it makes me mental that there's no empowerment coaching that's part of teacher training. 
because so much of what blocks teachers, and I can say this because I hear it all the time, are empowerment issues, our mindset blocks. So this has to be part of training teachers, which is why it is part of how I do it. So in summary, if you can relate to this, this statement, I just want to know what I'm doing, which I'm translating into, I want to feel like an expert. The, the six-step process to get there is to learn the fundamentals of anatomy, to create one go-to sequence, to create three themes you can use with this sequence to change it up, not the poses, just the theme, to learn how to do the walk and talk, to learn how to use action cues, and to crush your three biggest mindset blocks. Okay, the next thing I wanna talk about is I had a teacher in my program this week send me a text message because yes, sending me texts and text support, text support is one of the things you get when you work with me. Like you're not out there in the void. We are communicating for the, for the three months that you're working with me inside my program, I'm your advocate, I'm your coach, I'm your support, I'm your sounding board. You're no longer out there by yourself. So Amy emailed me or texted me, shout out to Amy if you're listening. And she said, oh my God, I'm getting ready to teach my sixth class because a, a new studio opened in her area and she's teaching there. And she said, um, I'm gonna go in with the same sequence. And you know, I, I have to tell you, I feel a little guilty that I'm showing up to teach the same sequence again. Now, I haven't had an opportunity to connect with her on a coaching call since she sent me that text. We're in the process of setting it up. But I wanted to talk about this topic because number one, I bet it is something that you have felt. And if you haven't felt it, I know it's something that someone else listening to this episode has felt. Number two, I hear so much and I have so many conversations about teach. I have so many conversations with teachers about sequence sequence presentation and this whole belief around having to change the sequence all the time but i've never actually heard somebody say i'm starting to feel guilty about teaching the same sequence all the time and this is what i mean about mindset blocks until we get to the root cause or the root feeling i should say of what is causing you to do a certain thing as a teacher that's then maybe causing some other problems, we're never gonna fix it. We're never gonna fix the mindset belief. So I want you to imagine if you're a yoga teacher and you're changing your sequence all the time, and as a result, every time you go into the studio, you're discombobulated, you're nervous about teaching because you have yet another new sequence, you're forced to practice with your class because that's the only way you're gonna know what comes next. You, you practice the sequence many times at home before you go into the studio. You write it out. Matter of fact, maybe you take a lot of pride in your beautiful sequence that you have written out and you have a whole library of sequences that you've written out and maybe you even have drawings with them. All of this stuff is taking you hours every week. And yet when you go into the studio, you're nervous because you don't know the sequence well you're worried that are they going to like it? Um, you're you're forced to practice with them because you're not familiar with the sequence. So those are all the 3D behaviors that happen. If we go back and we say, okay, well, what if you didn't change your sequence all the time? What if you taught the same sequence for six months in a row? The 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 frequency of all those other problems would go down. You would get all that time back in prepping. 
you would not lose your place. You would be able to do the walk and talk. You would get to know the sequence better. So you'd be more confident. Like all these positive things would happen as a result of you just putting your foot down and saying, fuck it, I'm going to teach the same sequence for the next six months. But then what the teacher typically says is, I I'm just, I feel like if I teach the same sequence over and over again, students will get bored. And then this new belief of, I feel guilty doing it. And so we want to examine, and again, I'm not speaking for this particular teacher. So if Amy's listening, I'm not speaking for you because I haven't had an opportunity to dive into this deeper with you. But I sort of have an idea of where this guilt can come from. When someone tells me they feel guilty about teaching the same sequence over and over again, what that communicates to me is they don't feel like they're holding up their end of the bargain. They feel like this person's coming to my class with a certain expectation to get X and I'm showing up to my class and I don't have X to give them. So I feel guilty. I feel like I'm not showing up and doing what they expect up to some level of satisfaction. Matter of fact, quick sidebar, I saw a whole bunch of TikTok videos yesterday that were spurned off by this one central TikTok that this girl did because she went to her Pilates studio and they had raised the prices on the classes and she went into this whole diatribe about how Pilates classes, the pricing is out of control. I think she quoted 35 to 40 bucks a class and she did this whole deep dive on this particular studio's website with the supposed discounts you'd get if you signed up for a class pack, but the class packs were limited in terms of how quickly you needed to use them. So that sort of decreased the value in a particular way. And then all these other people were stitching her TikTok and they were like, yeah, we're hating on Pilates studio pricing too. And it's out of control. And so this is also applicable to yoga studios. You know, I have another teacher in my program who said to me, in this one studio I'm teaching at, it's like 30 bucks for a drop-in. How do I know that my class is worth 30 bucks? So that is in part where the guilt comes from. There's this expectation the teacher is putting on herself to be able to show up and provide a service that in her mind is quote unquote worth the money they paid. So number one, that is what we want to get to. So if you're feeling any of this guilt, we want to get to what is it tied to? And then we want to look at that and start to poke holes in it if we can. Because number one, I want you to appreciate that my original teacher, Baron Baptiste, who's still a very popular international yoga teacher and Bikram Taruti, who you probably heard of Bikram, they're in and core power yoga which the founders of Core Power, I, were, I was in my original teacher training with in 2002. Their entire empire, we're talking multi-state, international, global yoga people, and certainly Bikram came from India, was built on teaching the same damn sequence over and over and over again. That was the whole model. So that has to be evidence that counters this belief. So that's number one. So that's evidence to counter. Number two is we have to ask the teacher, where is this feeling of guilt coming from? Because remember, you are not there to make it interesting. It's not your job to be there and, oh, I got to keep it interesting. You're, they're not paying you for that. 
You're teaching yoga. You didn't invent yoga. I didn't invent yoga. I'm showing up to teach somebody else's from 5,000 years ago what they invented. I It's not on me to make it more interesting. If you don't think it's interesting, don't come to my fucking class. Honestly, like I'm being sort of hyperbolic because I want to like wake you up from this feeling that it is your responsibility to keep yoga interesting. If somebody's coming to your class and they come up to you after class and say, wow, that was really boring. Or God, you're, te God, you're teaching the same sequence over and over again. Like number one, go find another class to go to. Who wants that kind of student? Who wants a student that like, this is not running into Target to get the latest Stanley Cup, right? We're talking yoga here, people. So I know I'm like getting super passionate about this because I am so passionate about it. Like you are there as the teacher. You are not there as some sort of like consumer focused. I have to meet this person's need and that I have to keep it interesting for this person and that person. You're there as the communicator of a thousand year old practice. And, and for the most part, like I would think most yoga teachers are looking to offer this as a framework for health and healthy movement not as a framework to convince people to keep coming back because I want you to feel like I'm changing it all the time and keeping it interesting. So that's number two. Now, number three, I live in the real world. I get it. I know I'm sort of a hard ass and not everybody is like me. So that's why I said 10 minutes ago that when you create your go-to sequence, when I went through that whole framework for how I, how I can help you. If you have that feeling of, geez, I wish I just knew what the hell I was doing. Note that I said, create one go-to sequence, but then I said, and come up with three different themes you can overlay on that sequence that can last you a year. Like that is the recipe for a year's worth of amazing teaching. And don't forget when you get off the mat and start walking around, that adds a whole other level of interest, of exciting feelings, of changing up the energetics of the class. That adds variation. So all of this, like, you know, that anyway, I don't want to, I don't want to go on further. Like I'm obviously getting very passionate about this. My whole goal for you. And one of the reasons why this feeling of guilt, which I totally get and it's real and I acknowledge it, but my whole feeling for you is for you to go into your classroom and have no energetic cord to your student, to be so much in your empowered way of being that you're not there to please anybody. You're not there to piss anybody off. You're there to do your job. I want to refer you, if you haven't seen it, to Miley Cyrus and her um, performance at the Grammy Awards, because this is the perfect illustration of what I'm talking about. Miley Cyrus came out, first of all, she was wearing this killer dress. Her body language was very much, I've talked about Taylor Swift on tour as an example of powerful body language. 
Miley Cyrus was that as well. She actually called out the audience at one part when she was singing whatever that song is, Flowers. And she was like, come on, guys, get up. I know you know the lyrics to this song. She called out the audience like Oprah, John Legend, Billy Joel, right? And said like, get up off your ass and dance to this song. <laughs> like, I know you know the words. She called them out on the Grammys. Music's biggest night. If you watch the video, which even if you saw it, I want you to go back and watch it now that I've been talking about it. I want you to look at her body language. She is heart-centered to the audience. She is moving her arms. She does the mic drop at the end. Oh, this my first Grammy. Boom. Mic drop out off into the ether with the smoke around her. This is what I want for you. Even if you encapsulate one eighth of Miley Cyrus's performance in you when you teach, this is what I want for you in your own way. And I promise you, my dear, dear friend, when you step into that way of teaching, you won't feel guilty one bit because you're not there out of an energetic connection to your students in that sort of enabling sort of way. You're there in your power as a teacher of this thousand year old historical practice. And yes, of course, I get the real world 3D example in 2024 of keep it interesting. I know what that means, which is why I'm saying walk around the room, engage with your students, ask them in the lobby before they go in, what's going on? How's your practice going? Stay after class and answer their questions. Invite them to come to your next class. Change your cues as you're walking around the room. Assist them. Use more silence. Don't talk so much. Turn off the music. Hold them in poses longer. All these things. I used to go to class with Baron, and I would be dying. And I literally would be driving home thinking, what made that class so hard? We didn't even do anything hard. There was no hard poses in that sequence. And I am like, just completely depleted because he is a master at this, at these subtle ways of making classes feel completely different, super challenging, and we're doing the same sequence. So please don't listen to all that narrative out there that I know is fueling this feeling of guilt. And, you know, studios do that too, because they are beholden to butts in seats, feet on mats. So they also sort of, you know, promote this sort of thing as a way to get people to come to their studio. Like nobody wants to say, come to my yoga studio and do the same damn thing over and over again. But guess what? That's what Baron did. That's what, that's what Bikram did. Like essentially, my understanding, that's what Core Power does because they have these three different sequences. And I believe that that's pretty much what you get when you go, which is fine, which is great. I'm not casting judgment on any of these things. I'm using these things as evidence against this whole argument or this whole idea that we need to keep it interesting. 
And at the end of the day, the whole reason I am, I am so passionate about this is because I know 100% when you free yourself of a mindset block like this, you will be Miley Cyrus as Miley Cyrus as a teacher. I don't mean literally, but you will have that spirit in you, that spirit of I'm an expert. I want to be here. I feel confident. I know I can help you. I know I can make an impact. I know I have something of value to share with you. I know that if you start to show some signs of you're disengaged or you're bored or you're, I know that I've got some tools that I can bring you back to being more present. And I know, and I firmly believe that in that bringing you back to being more present is magic for you. It's a magical opportunity for you. And I can do that even if you're doing the same sequence over and over again, because you know, and I know that the mind is always changing, that our ability to be present is always changing. Like think back to all the stuff you learned in your 200 hour training about the essence of yoga. None of it had to do with fancy poses or any of that. The entire history of yoga was built on the eight limbed path. It wasn't built on branding or, I mean, I guess you could kind of say it was built on branding, but it certainly wasn't built on all of this kind of like, keep it interesting and all of that. It wasn't, it was built on these essential pillars of the human experience and essentially conquering each one. The eight limb path is essentially knocking down each pillar of human experience until you get to the ultimate pillar of samadhi, of enlightenment. And no one in enlightenment is sitting there going, God, this is really fucking boring. They're like, oh my God, I'm enlightened. This is amazing. I was, I had the internal fortitude and strength to, to shun all of this like commercialism and really get down to brass tacks of what really matters when it comes to being in this human experience. I don't know. I, I really hope this is connecting with you. And again, I'm speaking into the void. So send me a DM on Instagram. Let me know what you, what you think. Um, and I'm happy to chat further about it, but I hope this is really making an impact. As far as the last thing I want to say today, you know, all of what I shared, the six step plan, I'm not kidding myself. I know that you know, I'm going to give you the six steps, but it's not possible for any teacher to take that on herself and, and do it on their own. So if you heard that six step plan and you are like, I am ready now to do that six step plan. I want to feel like an expert. I want to feel like I know what I'm doing. All you got to do is send me a DM, a DM on Instagram and just say podcast offer and I'll hook you up. I'll tell you what what to do. I'll tell you how to enroll and work with me. And like that literally can be your plan. <laughs> like there it is. There's the path, the yellow brick road to the Emerald city. It's right there. So just send me a DM. I'm ready now podcast offer and we'll get you going. Okay. My friend, that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks so much for listening all the way to the end. And I'll talk to you next week. Namaste. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And as a special thanks, DM me the words podcast offer, and I'll share with you a special opportunity for yoga teachers who are ready to be confident and skilled and drop all that prep time, drop practicing with class, 
drop using the same cues over and over and drop worrying what other people think. If this is you and you're ready to step into your most powerful, authentic way of teaching, DM me the words podcast offer on my Instagram, Bare Bones Yoga.